This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I'm doing very well, Mark. Very well. Very well. Very so we're well. excited to be here every Saturday at 1 o'clock on WPHT, 1210. If you want to ask us a question about residential, commercial, mortgages, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Dan? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're here every week to keep you informed and help in any way we can with your real estate needs. I think we're the only show that's actually talking about real estate. And it's booming. So what's coming up today, Deanne? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We also have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. And that one is really playing in the what's going on, too. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Mark, we also have your funny story. Got one for you. We have our mortgage mom topic. And what is that? So I'm going to take a page out of your book today. I'm going to talk a little bit about the housing inventory and how it's slowly coming back as the frenzy fades. And I'm supposed to remember that. Housing inventory. I'll do it. Don't I, even. I, 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 I'll, I'll get anyway. the housing inventory and yeah, how it's coming yeah, back. Yeah. All right. So we have our questions. Can I ask a realtor to reduce their commission? The next question is, can I exclude something from my home sale? And the next question is, can I sell my home as is? Last question is, which you're going to love this one, is it okay to decorate my home for the Christmas holiday when selling in November or December? Yeah, that's, a, that's a popular question. A lot of people have misconceptions about that. Yep. And Mark, we have our topic of the day. What is an appraisal gap? Yes. Which is a very hot topic as well. But first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, after World War II, FDR said to Stalin, now that we're going to have free elections, he said, Stalin said, well, it doesn't matter about the voters. It matter who counts them. <laughs> no. All right. I just wanted to catch you, see if you were paying attention. Yeah. 
Okay. So you're going to give us the real one? Yeah, I'm going to give you the real one. But I actually listened to Stalin tell FDR that the other, on the History Channel. That was a good one. Doesn't I was saying when, when you listened to it, I thought maybe he called you. <laughs> so the motivational quote is, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. So there's always going to be hills and valleys. It's just a matter of taking advantage of it. Right. Failing forward. All right. That's right. So where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So there's no relief in shortages of appliances, furniture, high demand for home products continue to cause supply chain disruptions throughout all industries related to real estate. Shortages of appliances, furniture, building materials are the most acute, not expected to ease anytime soon. The problem largely began at the start of the COVID-19 lockdowns, during which time demand soared as many people started remodeling and the lumber industry slowed up because they thought there was going to be a slow up in housing and there wasn't. And that disrupted all the supply chains. The shortage also came from foreign home suppliers who contributed appliance material parts. Director of Housing and Commercial Research at the National Association of Realtors said that the pandemic pandemic has impacted production in U.S. manufacturing plants as factories have to operate with less workers on site or staggered shit as all part of the social distancing, all that stuff. Like, you can't even get a truck. I, ordered a, I had to order a truck. Right. I guess they'll call me in September or something. <laughs> if you're lucky. Because they all need a chip that's being made in Taiwan. Uh, they got to start making that stuff here. Nearly 90% of the builders said they were having difficulty securing appliances for their houses. So the Association of Home Builders, some new home build buyers are having to wait out delays or make a compromise for appliances. Furniture shortages also abound. The furniture industry has reported delays of four months or longer, according to the Commerce Department. According to a recent census report, the three-month average uh, month average is now a 5.5-month average that is putting all this pressure on the inventory and everything else. So all those slowdowns and the builders being behind, like we talked about last week, how long are we going to have this shortage? Years. Because they're so far behind. But and then, we're at, and, and then in the midst of all this, real estate's booming. It's the best time ever to buy. The rates are so low. And it's the best time ever to sell. Ever. I mean, you're going to get top dollar and above. That's why we did that part last week about uh, uh, the appraisals and stuff. Because, you know... These people are coming in forty, fifty thousand above price. So they are. It's a, gr- it's a great time to be able to sell, but and and it's it's easing up a little, which I'm going to go over as far as my topic um, with the inventory. So it is getting better. It's just going to take time. So what it are the rates good. like? Speaking of better, so we have our thirty-year fixed at two point eight seven five percent. You have your 15-year at 2.375%. Your FHA is 2.875. So, again, it is not too late to refinance. You need to take advantage of it. Um, it's a simple process. 
All we need is a copy of your most recent mortgage statement. We'll do a total cost analysis for you and show you what you're going to be saving, whether it's paying off some credit cards or remodeling your house or just getting a lower rate and or term. So you think they're going to go down with the inflation going up? I think we're going to tick down a little bit more. I think we're going to hope, tick down a little bit more. Yep. I hope they do tick down a little bit more and stay down for a while. Yeah. But, but inflation's getting out of hand. Gas, I paid three thirty-five a gallon <laughs> yesterday. I know. It's insane. And in Florida, it was two eighty-seven. Yeah. Which makes no sense. But And in California, it's almost $8. Eight. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Eight hours, well, you'll be like cutting your trip short. Exactly, exactly. You'll get halfway there. So if you have any questions in reference to whether it's time to refi, give me a call. 609-605-7153. All right, so with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Hi, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to your funny story. So I got one for you. So, you know, housing's expanding all over the place. So, in light of that, out in Montana, uh, they've been having frequency of humans and grizzly bears and black bears, people running into them. So, the Montana Department of Fish and Game is advising hikers, hunters, and fishermen to take extra precautions and keep alert for bears while in the field. We advise that outdoor outdoorsmen and outdoors women wear noisy little bells on their clothing so as not to startle the bears that are ex- or aren't expecting them. We also advise them to carry pepper spray with them in case of an encounter with a bear. Also, a good idea to watch out for fresh signs of bear activity. Outdoorsmen and outdoors women should recognize the difference between black bear and grizzly bear droppings. Black bear droppings are small and can contain lots of berries and squirrel fur. And grizzly bear droppings, they have little bells in them and they smell like pepper spray. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501. And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Mortgage Mom, Deanne Katsaris from Green Tree Mortgage. And our topic is housing inventory and how it is coming back. That was pretty good off the cuff, Mark. I was. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, I want to talk a little bit about the housing inventory. It's slowly coming back as the frenzy fades. One of the, the good news is we're starting to get some FHA loans accepted so it's not just conventional financing that everybody's looking for so um, that's a plus i've been on a mission to make that happen and we're starting to see the light now but after, where are you seeing the the inventory coming back like where uh, in philadelphia like in your 9115 91154 and also 
in my neighborhood as well as the surrounding area, Cherry Hill, um, Burlington area. I'm seeing the listings because every time somebody lists a property that's in my database, I get an alert. And there's been a lot more alerts coming up. That's a good sign. It is a good sign. Um, Not to say that the open houses, you know, still have 40 people going to them and they're still doing their highest and best. But at least there's a couple more to choose from. So after four consecutive months of, of having that decline, the existing home sales, they have increased in June and they're jumping 1.4% for May to about, which is seasonally adjusted in an annual rate of 5.86 million. So you can thank a rise in the housing inventory for those gains. Now, sales have climbed up about 22% year after year up from 4.7 million in June of 2020 as it slowly improved in the recent months. And again, we can actually see that. So the total housing inventory at the end of June amounted to 1.25 million units, and that's up 3.3%. So, And it's also down from 18.8 from one year ago. So we throw out a lot of numbers, but you know, that 3.3, when you look at it overall, actually means a lot. And and that's due to more housing starts, existing homeowners listing their homes, um, all of which has resulted in an uptick in the sales. So as the home sales continue to run at a pace above the rate we've seen before the pandemic. Now, we talk about this all the time, Mark, but the unsold housing inventory sits at a 2 month supply at the current sales pace and it's only up from 2.5 from may so it doesn't sound like a lot but again it is a lot when you're looking at the overall inventory because we were at 1.9 right right so it's increasing in the medium existing home price for all housing types in june was 363,000 and that's up 23.4 percent yeah. from June of 2020. And you talked about this because in June at 2020, we were at 294. All right. So every region recorded price uh, jumps. And this is 100 and 112 straight months, year after year gains. And the good thing is, at least the rates are so low, you can afford to go a little higher. Well, that's what I keep telling people. I mean, when we were at four and a half percent and we were down at that 294, right, which was the, the median, and now we're at 363 at 2.7 or 2.8, it's almost the same amount as far as the mortgage payment. Right. But people still have the conception that they don't over they don't want to overpay for their mortgage. So you know, it's a catch-22. Would it be great that the rates were at 2.875 and the values were still at 294? Sure. But now, you know, because of the inventory, it's supply and demand. It keeps jumping up. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time to buy. You got to just find one. But the sellers are cashing in big time. They are. And we do expect... The ones expect- that know about it. But right. the media, I, I taught a class today and... I taught my zero to $20 million production class, and those students had no idea that 48% of Philly rents. Right. And the average rental citywide, 
for a one bedroom is fifteen hundred hours. I mean, fifteen hundred hours you could buy probably a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house. We actually just did it today. You could buy a two hundred and twenty five thousand dollar home, FHA three and a half percent, real estate taxes at three hundred and fifty dollars, and you're looking at a thirteen hundred dollar a month payment. Yeah. Cheaper than cheaper than a one bedroom apartment for fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, this was City a three wide. bedroom, two bath. Yeah. So. I um, still blame it on the realtors. These agents are not talking to these sellers, or there'd be even more inventory. Because you know how long it takes for for information to filter to the public, like six months. You know. It, yeah, so I, it, a lot of people are door knocking. Um, they're putting the you know the hangers out there doing the postcards so they're doing you know I do see a lot more activity so it's starting to sink in once they do a, an open house or they do a listing so that's the good news but the home prices are in no danger of a decline due to the tight inventory conditions but we do expect them to appreciate at a much slower pace by the end of the year so we'll ideally, see. The cost for a home would rise roughly in line with the income growth, which is li- which is likely to happen in 2022 as more listings and more new construction become available. But typically, the houses are staying in June. They were on the market for 17 days, which was unchanged from May and down from 24 days in June of 2020. So 89% of the homes sold in June of 2020 were on the market for less than a month. And 31% of those sales in June were first-time homebuyers. Right. So, you know, the market's booming. It's a great time to jump in. You know, go to my website, mortgagemom.net, mortgagemom.net, or give me a call at 609-605-7153. Let's get you pre-approved. Let's get you ready so that you could take advantage of this amazing market. Yeah, you're going to get top dollar for your house, so. Absolutely. So, Mark, coming up next is going to be our question and answer segment. All right. Very good. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. Welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So where are we at, end? Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. So what's your first question? The first question is, can I ask a realtor to reduce their commission? Of course you can, because if you don't ask, the, the answer is no. Exactly. Yeah, there's no fixed commissions. You're not allowed to uh, do that. That's price fixing. You know, and they vary. By company, some companies, areas, there's no standard. You know, if you were selling a $4 million house, you're not probably going to get, some realtor's not going to get 6%. So, you know, it's all negotiable. So you can definitely ask them to reduce their commissions. Now, some offices have office policies that you're not allowed to go below a certain rate. But, you know... If you don't ask, the answer is no. So <laughs> exactly. you can you can always say, listen, you know, what can you do for this commission? See, I talked a little bit about this today with a bunch of students. See, most consumers, 
uh, buyers and sellers think that realtors are worth basically zero an hour because they get paid at the end. They don't consider their time worth anything. Where, you know, if you got a realtor that thinks like a business person, that's what you're you're paying. You're not paying for them to list your house or sell, or sell you a house. You're paying for all their experience. That's what you're paying for. Get you get you through this whole thing with the least stress as possible. Right. So the you process. might you you know you might have to pay a six percent commission, which is like usually the highest commission on residential, to like some top agents. But they're going to get the job done, and you're going to net more. So you know, it's like anything else. You get what you pay for. And that also you know, goes back to you know you talk about somebody has a house listed for three percent, and somebody house has it listed for two and a half percent. Which house are they going to show first? Right, and in a in a buyer's market, when there's a tons of things on on the there's tons of houses for sale everywhere, that that comes into play, you know, because the agents are usually doing the searches. So you're not supposed to ethically do that, but human nature is human nature. Exactly. Oh, that's the next one. All right, the next question is: Can I exclude something from my home sale? Yes, the the contract. It needs to be in writing. So if you want to exclude grandma's chandelier or whatever it is in this property you don't you don't want to include in the sale, make sure make sure that it's in there's a part in the contract included in sale, excluded from sale. You want to make sure that's in there because if you don't do that and then they come through a final walkthrough and that chandelier's missing, uh, you got a problem. Because they, they're saying, like, where's the chandelier? Oh, we're taking that. That was from my grandmother, and I had one of them myself a few years ago. And it wasn't nothing fancy. It was just that it would, they had a connection to it. Right. And, and we told them it wasn't with the sale, but they wanted it. And I, I don't know why, but... <laughs> we, had somebody, we had somebody take the doorbell cover, like, inside the house... You know the thing that rings. Yeah, there was a really nice cover, and they. I had. I had. They one, took that. I had one in East Falls one time in this giant six-bedroom sto- uh, stone, uh, antique house, and the guy took all the doorknobs because they were all ornate. There was no <laughs> doorknobs on none of the doors when we got there. I'm like, you can't take the doorknobs. <laughs> he took every one out of every room in a six-bedroom giant house. That's funny. All right, what's the next one? The next question is, can I sell my home as is? In reality, every sale is as is. Now, there's a myth out there, like the 20% down myth and some other real estate myths. In the end, you know, agents, this is a bad strategy anyway. If you advertise a house as is, what what is the person that sees that ad going to think? That it needs work. It needs work. Now, this could be like an elderly couple that is just selling and doesn't want to do any repairs. And the house is immaculate. Right. But they put this as is in the language. And so right away, somebody thinks, oh, that one needs work. I ain't, I, I'm not buying nothing that needs work. So they don't even go and look at it. And, and secondly, in the very end, when you settle, it's as is. Right. <laughs> they all are as is. Right. It's just now if it's something that needs a rehab, updating, say it may need some updating or something like that. But if you say 
you know, this seller shouldn't do this. It's a bad strategy. Everything is a bad strategy. And in and this market, you know, if somebody could come in and say, well, anyway, we're, we're going to rip all this out anyway. So, you know, why even distract some buyers? Right. Why mention what's it? That, what's all the right. next one? Question number four. Is it okay to decorate my home for Christmas for the holiday when I'm going to be selling in November or December? Yeah. I think it's a good idea because usually when people do this, as long as you don't go crazy and, you know, you make it like a light show or something, <laughs> you know. But it's and, tastefully and clutter done. It. If it's tastefully done, yeah. You know, you know, you don't need like giant Santa Clauses all over or something that makes the place look smaller. Just do it tastefully. Right. Get some advice from your agent. Like, I, you know. My wife, man, she'll go crazy for like every <laughs> holiday. You know, I, I, we really need to decorate for St. Patty's Day, like you know. <laughs> but like you know, some people get carried away, and you don't want to make the place look small. So, and yeah. usually, when you're showing houses during this period of time, these are motivated buyers. Because they got to move, man. Otherwise, they'd be waiting to wait after the holidays. Right, right. They're so, not like, out looking. These are, these are serious buyers. So, And most of the houses are decorated nice, so I think it's fine. All right. And there you have it. Mark has spoken. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the next one? All right. Can I call my home a three-bedroom when the non-permitted third bedroom was added and it is in the garage? No. No. <laughs> because, you know, you could call it a three-bedroom and people show up and then they realize they converted a garage into a really nice bedroom, but they never pulled permits and did it correctly. And the appraiser comes in and he's going to want to see those permits. And that's a two-bedroom. Yeah, you're not getting credit for that. Yeah, you're not getting credit for that. And that could be a big mistake. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it goes both ways because people might actually want the garage and have a two bedroom. Yeah, and in this market, you know, it's according to what the townships like too. You know, if, <laughs> if, if it's like one of the crazy townships, and now they came in because uh, some of the townships do inspections, and now they came in and there's a third bedroom, and you never pull permits, you might be going through a permit process prior to selling this house right so right. and that's good that's definitely going to cause a delay but if you're not in one of them situations and somebody comes in and realizes the third bedroom's a garage and they're fine with it right. cool i right. saw one one time the guy turned the garage into this movie theater with bars and everything and uh and we sold it no problem yeah like a man it up, cave <laughs> it was up in limerick where there's no birds or bugs <laughs> <laughs> all right mark coming up next is going to be our topic of the day what is an appraisal gap all right very good so with that you're listening to good news in real estate here on talk radio 1210 wpht all positive all the time we'll be right back Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at mortgagemom.net. 
right, welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So we're at the end. So, Mark, we are up to our topic of the day, which is what is an appraisal gap? Yeah, this came up. I, we talked about this, and I figured I'd make it a topic. An appraisal gap is the difference between the appraised value of a home and the purchase price in the sales contract. And this is happening a lot because these people coming in offered another 20, 30, 40, 50 grand over the sales price. And then the appraiser comes in and he comes up with a different number, a lower number. And there's a gap. The home buyer will have to, and there's only a couple things you can do. There is a clause that some agents, smart agents, should use called an appraisal gap clause is used in a sales contract to guarantee that the home buyer will cover the monetary gap between the appraisal and the sales contract if an appraisal becomes an issue. So say the house was 200 and they offer two they they offer 230 and the sellers accept and the appraiser comes in at 215 the buyer is willing to come up with the extra 15,000 to make the deal happen. That's one way to solve the gap. But, you know, <laughs> something who, something, not everybody can do that kind of stuff. So when the appraisal is an opinion of value by a licensed real estate appraiser, mortgage lenders hire the appraisers for the home purchase loans, refinancing, HELOCs, and many other loan products. Every sales contract between a buyer and seller has a purchase price that the bank agrees to lend money for the buyer for the purchase of the home, assuming the property appraises at the value. And banks use licensed appraisers, professionals, and what appraisers do is they look at what sold within like the last year or so, close, like they usually start at uh, within a tenth of a mile and work their way out. Uh, up they can go out to like three miles and they can go back a couple years. It's according to what type neighborhood it is. Like if it's a row, ha- row house uh, how, home in Philly on a row, there's probably going to be lots of sales. But if it's a single community that's really spread out, there might not be many at all. And it's going to be harder to come up with a comparable. So that this process safeguards the mortgage company from lending too much money for an asset that may not be worth the contract price. So how does the appraiser determine the value? He looks at the solds, he looks at the pendings, the ones that are under contract, and he also looks at the actives. And he also now, they gotta take into consideration something that's not so tangible. Like, you know, lines of 50 people at an open house. You know, is that adding value to the property? Because at some point, houses have to go up in price. So I always use an example when I teach about this. If a house was 100000 and you're in some neighborhood, say Kensington, right? And there's 60 on the block. And two of them sold for $100,000. That appraiser has no problems. He's got two on the block that sold for 100. But I remember my mother-in-law, she lived on uh, Wolf Street. And one end of Wolf Street was long between second and third. One end of Wall Street was like 20000 higher than the other end of the street. And it was the same block. And which was baffling. Like, I understood it, but because that, that end got shaky and the other end was got nicer. Right. But, uh, 
But like they, these are the kind of things appraisers run into. They want to match apples with apples. So, you know, they try to compare in the same neighborhoods, but sometimes they got it. Like my house is a great example. I used to give my address out to appraisers, I mean, to uh, agents in training and tell them to do a CMA, a comparable market analysis, because my house is the white elephant on the block just to mess with them. <laughs> so, but, you know. That's not nice. I know, but like I've had appraisers. Like I did a refi one time years and years ago for using money for a line of credit for doing flips. And this guy came in with a really weird number. And he compared me to two capes. And the convent's not a cape. It's two stories and it's really tall and it's 100 feet long. And I said, how can you compare this? And he said, well, what number do you want? And I told him the number, and he went, okay. That was back in, like, 2003 when you did whatever you wanted. But, like, now, you know, you're having this problem where people are coming in 40000 50000 above asking price, and then this appraiser's coming in, like, $25,000. he will go up to twenty-five, but not fifty, and you got this gap. So now some agents are putting this appraisal contingency in there along with the next, uh, what do you call it? Uh, escalation an clause. An escalation clause that will even go up because that's how much the competition is in this market. So this gap problem is not going away right away because you got, especially now cash, it's no big deal. If they come in with cash 50 above, the seller is fine because there's no mortgage. But if there's a mortgage and they come want to come in 50 above, it has to appraise. And if it comes in only half of that 25, that buyer needs 25 grand to make up that gap. So it's a, it, it's we're, it's not going to last that long because we're eventually going to get more inventory. But right now we are having this problem. Have you had any of your buyers with this recently? A lot. Yeah, a lot. They um and they're coming to the table with the difference. Now or, with the F8 and with the, the other F8 way, the other way thing is the only other thing you can do is the seller comes down. Right. Like the seller comes down and agrees that you know they can they can complain about the appraiser and they can appeal the appraisal. Uh but that's one reason when I when I'm involved on the seller or the buyer side I always talk to the appraiser before he goes out and or her. And I always do my own comparables and supply them to them so we, they don't miss any. Because they're busy. They might do 20, 25 appraisals a week. And, and they'll search. Sometimes they'll start out at zip code, a neighborhood. And if they miss something because a street is the end of the zip code... They could miss the one across the... I always used that example of that one I had on the boulevard. Eight lanes away, there was a comp. But he was only looking in this one zip. So, you know, I I had one one time. It was a... uh, uh, I forget what they're called in, like, Mexico. An Adobe Quad. was the only one I ever seen in the city. There was no comps for that thing. I had to go like over two golf courses and uh, and another house to find anything close. But we finally found something, and it was three miles away. And it took a lot of fighting, but we got it accepted. 
you got it accepted. That's awesome. So, but anyway, back to the that's, gap. That's the difference yep, between the Marcus Price and the gap. That was a great topic, Mark, and it's absolutely relevant in today's market. So we appreciate that. So we are up to our business segment with Asking Dr. A. And today we're going to continue talking about transitioning back into the workforce after COVID and product productivity. Right. Hi, Dr. Abelson. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. So this is a, a, I'm really interested in this topic because everybody's transitioning back and now there's going to be look staggered some people at home some people in the office and i'm really curious about the people that are going to be doing this and are are they going to be more productive at home or more productive in the office well it's kind of interesting i've because we decided to talk about this last uh last program uh i've done a quite a bit of research i'm going to do more research but it's pretty fascinating to see what's been happening regarding this issue uh, one of the things is let's go back to last year there was a study done by uh price waterhouse that that looked at executives and what executives thought was going to be happening uh and there was a huge concern then that there were going to be uh, a lot of issues because of this uh needing to work from the home or remotely uh, and, and what they found was regarding executives was a lot of them thought that they were going to have to, once this was over, they were going to have to get their people to come back at least three days of the week uh, in order for them to have the culture and the productivity that they wanted. But when you look at other research regarding what has actually happened, that's really not the case. There was uh, a study done by SHRM, uh, which is the Society of, of Human Resource Managers. And uh, what they found was that productivity was actually at least a, about the same, okay, that productivity wasn't going down. But what they did find is the people working on average three hours more a day, okay, not less. So it was kind of interesting. So the issue then turned, as far as Sherman was concerned, to this notion of whether people are going to be burnt out, you know, because they're working more hours. That's interesting. But you know what? That, that, that kind of makes sense to me because, like, I, I worked in front of the computer for, like, the whole year with the running the school and everything else. And you, it's surprising you get caught up in the work and how much time flies by. Yeah, and, and from my you know, organization's perspective, we've been working remotely for about a decade now, and productivity is really high because what happens is people don't necessarily work nine to five, all right? Uh, in, in our organization, what they'll do is if they have to interact with other people, they're, they're working nine to five because that's, quote, unquote, the expectation, all right? But a lot of times they're working after hours. It's amazing. I might send a, an email to somebody at nine o'clock in the evening, and then all of a sudden at 11 o'clock in the evening, the work shows up back to me, you know? So it's, it, it's really interesting. I think a lot of it, what it really goes back to, and we should talk much more about this, is is what you have done to establish a productive culture in your organization. Okay, so people don't feel that they have to be monitors, but they're actually motivated to perform effectively and to get their job done. I noticed that with my director of operations with the school, I, I'll get emails the next morning, and I look at the time, and it's 11.10 p.m., and she was like taking care of business. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's, real, so it's, it's like, really amazing. Uh, yeah, it is. And I, I'm not asking her to do that. She's just doing that. And exactly. she's very productive. And it's really right. easy to gauge the motivation of your staff by looking at how much time they're putting in or how quickly it takes them to respond to requests that you have. Right. Yeah, and, and so the fear of micromanaging 
It's just something some of these CEOs are going to have to get over. Right. Well, that's another issue totally because a lot of them like to feel in control. And if they're not seeing people working, they feel like they're not working. So if people want to get more information... We will do that. Yeah. Contact us at uh, net. I'll be happy to talk with you about it and help you more effectively manage what's happening in your organization. Very awesome. good, Doctor. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Dr. A. All right. Very good. All right. So if you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give them a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at dnkatsaris at comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. A special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every week and our sponsors for keeping us on the air for all these years. And here at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, Good News and Real Estate, and at WPHT's website. And we'd like you to tune in every Saturday at 1 o'clock. With that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive. All the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.